0: It's Thursday, February 22nd. If you look real close, you can see craters, rocks, and is that a for sale sign? We start here. For the first time in history, a private company gets ready to land a spacecraft on the moon. That's the nail-biting
1: piece, is waiting for the lander to
0: come around. It's also heading where no man has before. We'll take you to the dark side. Parents claim their child was being bullied for being non-binary, now that student is dead. The state is not off the hook for the harm that, that next faced. A new flashpoint over gender in Oklahoma, and one panel of judges stand between Julian Assange and the American justice system. Julian Assange is an absolute hero of our her times. Our team is on hand for the WikiLeaks founder's last-ditch effort to avoid extradition. From ABC News, this is Start Here, I'm Brad Milkey. In the course of human history, humans have been to the moon six times. We've sent dozens more unmanned spacecraft, and every one of them was produced by a government. Right? The American government, Soviet government, even the Indians and the Japanese. Only one spacecraft has soft-landed on the dark side of the moon. That was the Chinese back in 2018. Well, later today, we could see history. A gentle landing on the far side of the moon by a spacecraft produced by a private company. This is the craft known as Odysseus, made by a company in Texas called Intuitive Machines. So let's start this exciting day with ABC's Gina Sinceri, who covers space there in Houston. Gina, can you just describe what, what this is and what the goal is today? Well, this is not your
2: daddy's Apollo capsule. It's an uncrewed spacecraft built in America and who said just launched days ago in a SpaceX Falcon 9.
0: And liftoff, go SpaceX, go IM-1 and the Odysseus Lunar Lander.
2: This idea for this little spacecraft was sketched out on a napkin by Intuitive Machines CEO Steve Altimus who said, I can design an efficient spacecraft that can get there, we can do it faster and more efficiently.
1: To be able to say we can build space systems reliably in a time span that is relevant and competitive and not spend decades building large systems. And I think we're demonstrating that it's working.
2: And lo and behold, later today, we're gonna see if they can stick a landing on the moon or will they crater?
0: (laughs) I hope it's not the crater option, but that's very vivid. Wait, and yeah, how does it work exactly?
2: Well, you know, as we said, they launched on a SpaceX Falcon, which got them up high enough that they could fire their engines and get on the trajectory to the moon. They're using a new kind of fuel for space, liquid oxygen and methane. And so that's put them on course to the moon. What they did yesterday was get into lunar orbit, and that's where they are today. And their orbit will gradually get lower and lower and lower, and then they'll make the attempt to land on the moon.
1: ODI has to conduct the burn by itself, totally automated for these two critical burns. Steve
2: Altimus, the CEO of Intuitive Machines, said this is a real nail-biter when it starts landing.
1: That's the nail-biting piece, is waiting for the lander to come around to see, in the view of our big antennas on the ground to pick it up, and hopefully um, successful.
2: So once this lander touches down at this crater called Malapert A, near the moon's south pole, the race to complete the mission begins. It has seven days to complete its tasks before it loses solar power and no longer can see the Earth. And so the moon goes dark and seven days after it lands, and our lander is
0: dead. And then you said this is a private company. That seems key here. So is NASA part of this? Oper- I know like NASA works with companies like SpaceX. Does NASA work with these guys?
2: NASA, a couple of years ago, decided that the best and most efficient way to explore the moon was We're going to give you some money and you figure out how to put a lander on the moon. So we can understand the surface and understand what capabilities we need uh, before we put humans on the surface. So several companies took them up on this option, Astrobotic, Firefly, Intuitive Machines, and they're all sending landers to the south pole of the moon to explore and see what's there because we want to know before we send astronauts to that part of the moon.
0: Yeah, can you explain why it's such a big deal to land on the far side of the moon? Like, it's like the side facing away from us, but it's only happened once in history. Why is everyone so jacked up about that?
2: Well, everyone wants to land on the south pole of the moon because that's where ice is, and where there ice is, there's water. And where there's water, you have the potential for food and fuel.
1: You know, so if we can drive that threshold to go to the moon and that cost to go to the moon down— we can open up a whole new economy.
2: The reason so many companies are on board with this because they see potential in exploring the moon. And when you've got a company like Intuitive Machines, NASA is their primary client on this. But other companies are on board for the ride too because they want to do some experiments on the moon and see if there's some potential for commerce there or exploration, or minerals. We're partnering with commercial companies who then have reached into markets that the government would never uh, reach out into. Before this, companies did not have the option to just hitch a ride and go to the moon. Now with commercial landers like IM1, Odysseus, nicknamed Odie, they can go to the moon too.
0: What happens if this fails, Gina? Like if private spaceflight and private space colonizing of the moon in some ways is the thing of the future, what happens if this one doesn't work? Like, does that put this entire nascent industry back on its heels?
2: Well, this has not been a good year for lunar landers. Peregrine, which launched in January, didn't make it because a bad valve forced it to make a U-turn because it was leaking fuel and had to return home, burn up on reentry. Japan's SLIM mission just a few weeks ago landed upside down.
1: The solar cell
3: is not generating electricity at this point in time.
2: Its solar arrays couldn't deploy, so it kind of counts as a failure. Um, if this fails, I think everyone will go, drat too bad, darn, but they learn something every time they launch and they'll apply those lessons to the next lander. You know, I am, too, later this summer, maybe. All
0: right. That happening just before 6 p.m. Eastern time, just before 5 p.m. your time there in Houston, although images might take an hour to get back because, oh, yeah, it's the moon. Gina Sinceri, our resident space expert. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you, Brad. I know you'll be watching later today.
0: start here. Activists said anti-trans policies could kill children. So what happens now that a high schooler is dead? We go to Oklahoma after the break. We all know there are things in life that you have to compromise on, but when it comes to your health, There should be no compromise. Don't go back to that one doctor. You know the type. Like, I've had this person before that doesn't actually listen to you or who seems just in a rush to end your appointment that you spent months making. Instead, check out ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. You can search by location, availability, and insurance so no compromises here because with ZocDoc you got more options than you know we're talking about booking appointments with tens of thousands of top-rated patient-reviewed credible doctors and specialists go to ZocDoc.com start here and download the ZocDoc app for free then find and book a top-rated doctor today that's ZocDoc zocdo slash start here ZocDoc.com start here Last summer, Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt signed an executive order that he called a Women's Bill of Rights. Part of that to him meant protecting women's only spaces by strictly defining what it means to be a woman.
1: We're taking a stand against this out of control gender ideology that is eroding the very foundation of our society.
0: He declared women's bathrooms and locker rooms could only be used by, quote, biological women, meaning people who were assigned the gender female at birth. Other states have done this, too. Kansas and Tennessee have adopted similar measures, which ignore the range of gender identities out there. And doctors say just because you act like there are only two genders doesn't mean that's true, and it doesn't mean that's how people will identify. This week, we're learning more about the story of a non-binary high schooler in Oklahoma who used they-them pronouns named Nex-Nex. Benedict. There's still a lot of unknown details here, but we do know one day earlier this month, Nex was involved in a fight at school, and now Nex is dead. This has galvanized the LGBTQ plus community. We're joined now by Nicole McAfee, the executive director of Freedom Oklahoma, an advocacy group based in Oklahoma City. Nicole, thanks for being with us. I mean, what more can you tell us about this? Because there's only a few things that we know at this point, and one of them is that Nex is dead.
3: Yeah. So. Freedom, Oklahoma first became aware of a student death in Owasso via outreach from someone out of state who had a family member who was a student in Owasso. And they said, this death happened. It seems very tragic. And I think that the student, it seems, was was possibly trans or non-binary. And so for us, it meant trying to dig into contacts we had in the community to see what else we could find out because the school and the Owasso Police Department had been very quiet on on what information they would release. Mm. So for us, the work then became, how do we share this news with our community where there's already a lot of fear?
0: Right, and it, like we're, we've been getting updates right up until the moment we're talking to you here. So yesterday, two weeks after the initial incident, Owasso police finally put out some more detailed statements. They said, yes, there was a physical altercation, as they call it, between a bunch of students. Next, was the only one injured enough to be advised to seek medical treatment. And they went to the hospital the day after that, next died. But police say, now an autopsy shows, trauma was not the reason for their death. They aren't saying what could have caused it. They're continuing to investigate it, they say. But from their perspective, Nicole, it sounds like this is not a given that it was all because of a beating or something.
3: I think that there are still some unknowns there. And I know that there is a a lot of mistrust in the medical examiner's office in Oklahoma. Hmm. And so I am holding those things both as we... Are watching a lot of elected officials posture around this idea that they need to wait until there's more information. Mm. And I think ultimately, based on what we've learned and heard from Nex's family and interviews, is that Nex was bullied for Nex's gender identity for well over a year. And whether ultimately we discover that Nex's death is a result of physical trauma from hate-motivated violence or emotional trauma- from that physical violence plus the, the history of bullying that the state is not off the hook for the harm that that next faced
0: yeah the school has basically said that all students involved in this altercation as they're calling it were able to walk out under their own power but then later next did in fact go to the hospital and the family says they're still waiting to see video footage that corroborates the idea that next was actually able to walk away from this in the meantime that's sort of where this has to stay beyond this incident though nicole i'm trying to figure out what is it like in oklahoma right now for a non-binary person or for for a trans person?
3: Yeah, for trans and non-binary folks, we've really seen an escalation of harm. And I think for students especially, and it started with banning trans youth from playing sports on teams that match their gender. Very quickly after that, during the state superintendent election, it became single-sex bathroom restrictions and changing room restrictions for all public schools and public charter schools in the state with a lot of really transphobic rhetoric being pushed by the person who ultimately now is the state superintendent.
0: What we wanted to do is bring in someone who has been a national leader and exposing what's going on in our schools. We
3: then saw Libs of TikTok given a platform by the state superintendent and his comms team.
0: And, in a, and Libs of TikTok is what this sort of online group that that is seen as pretty far-right and very trans and homophobic.
3: Yes, yes. They've really targeted a, a lot of... Folks in the drag community as well as educators that they call too woke or too radical and used sort of their online platforms to try to get folks to harass uh, these people that they they highlight. And in Oklahoma, that is included um, a principal in an Oklahoma City area public school who had to resign after threats um, when... Libs of TikTok exposed that they perform drag. It includes uh, a queer educator in Owasso who no longer works in the school system mm. and also uh, a principal in uh, Tulsa area school district. So um, it is it is a familiar platform and refrain for Oklahomans, unfortunately.
0: Well, and so like you're seeing adults targeted for their gender identities. And then you're saying, what, that this has an effect. You see a straight line between the policies being put into place by adults in the state and the effect that is having on kids and their health and potential violence.
3: Yes. The unfortunate reality is that while not every case results in a death, that Nexus story is one that we've heard time and time again from youth across the state, that as these policies advance and as the rhetoric around them moves, that not only do folks feel bullied by staff in some cases who are enforcing these policies, Mm. but young trans and gender nonconforming folks are getting increasingly bullied by their peers who are parroting this rhetoric that they're hearing even peers who previously hadn't shown any any care about their gender expansiveness at all
0: And we should say the school district says they are mourning this loss. They say rumors that they haven't disciplined any students for that fight are untrue, but that they also can't reveal any more than that because of privacy laws. The Oklahoma governor, who we mentioned, put out a statement saying our hearts go out to Nex's family and that bullies must be held accountable. He did not use any pronouns to describe Nex in his statement, even the ones that Nex had used in their life. Uh, Nicole McAfee from Freedom, Oklahoma, thank you so much for the time.
3: Thank you for your time.
0: This
2: disclosure is about the truth.
0: If you're old enough to remember the beginning of the Afghanistan and Iraq wars, you also remember how instrumental Julian Assange was to how it was seen by the rest of the world.
4: It's clear that
1: it will shape an understanding of what the past six years of war has
0: been like. Assange is the one who started WikiLeaks, the site that was responsible for publishing documents never seen before.
2: The classified reports put the Iraqi civilian death toll higher than ever reported before by at least 15,000.
0: From army manuals describing how Guantanamo detainees were being treated, to footage of a U.S. helicopter firing on Iraqi civilians. Oh yeah,
1: look at that, right through the windshield.
0: Over the years, he published sensitive diplomatic cables sent to him by Chelsea Manning, and emails from the Democratic National Committee sent to him by what appeared to be Russian spies. This just came out. WikiLeaks! I love WikiLeaks! And that's why Assange has become such a controversial figure. Is he a hero for whistleblowers, or a willing participant in information warfare? Well, yesterday, after spending years in asylum, then in British custody, he faced a British court in a last-ditch effort to avoid being extradited to the U.S. to face charges here. ABC's foreign correspondent, Maggie Ruley was outside of court in London. Maggie, I always like forget, Assange hasn't been charged with crimes in Britain or other countries, it's charged with crimes in the U.S., and yet he's still over there. Can you just walk us through how this legal limbo is kind of playing out?
4: Yeah, Brad, it's hard to believe this legal saga has been going on for almost 15 years. The last five of them, Assange has been right here in Britain, but in a high security prison. And all because he's been fighting this uh, extradition charge from the U.S. to bring him back to stand trial for counts against him. 17 counts of espionage is what the U.S. is accusing him of. The last five years, he's been appealing the case, appealing the case. This really is seen by many to be a final effort, a last ditch effort. If this doesn't go through, he does have some more options, but most legal experts agree that this is really the end of the road for him.
0: Right. End of the road of the extradition fight because they want a new appeal to sort of reset the clock. If all that fails, he still goes on trial in the U.S., right? He still had to be found guilty. What are the arguments that you're hearing, though, for and against him?
4: I mean, we spoke to a lot of his supporters outside, Brad. Julian Assange, set him free! They were loud. They were uh, very passionate. And they all said the same thing. They said, for them, Assange is a a, a secrecy-busting journalist that stands for freedom of the free press. What motivated you to come out here all day in front of this courthouse? Julian Assange is an absolute hero of our times. That What he did as a whistleblower was to expose wrongdoings by U.S. forces on the ground in Iraq and Afghanistan. They think he should be applauded. His work affects us, because he's exposing injustices throughout the world.
2: He wasn't even a whistleblower, he was simply reporting, publishing what he was given.
4: They tell us that the the prosecutors for the U.S. are there sort of as political theater, they're politically motivated, and they feel if he is extradited to the states, he won't stand a free trial.
1: In the extradition treaty between the United Kingdom and the United States, it says that you cannot be extradited for political offenses.
4: Then you have people representing the U.S. that argue Assange is not a journalist. They say what he did wasn't in public interest. It simply put lives at risk. They say some of the documents that he leaked had the names of people that U.S. forces worked with on the ground in Iraq and Afghanistan. He put the lives of them and their families directly at risk. And so they want to hold him accountable. They're calling him out on spying charges, demanding he come back to face what he did in a U.S. court.
2: We don't have a a decision today.
4: These hearings lasted two days. Both days, Assange was not in court. He didn't even appear virtually. His lawyer said he was too ill to be there in person. His wife is now speaking out. Assange's wife is saying that she fears for his life.
2: We know what happened to the other most famous political prisoner last week. That cannot happen to Julian.
0: It does feel like high stakes, obviously, to Assange and his family, but even to the rest of the world, because news organizations all the time come into contact with sources that might not have great reputations or great moral standings. And yet the information those sources possess might be valuable for the rest of the world to see. And yet motives can matter. And the U.S. is basically saying he's acting as a foreign agent. He's acting as someone who's trying to wreak havoc on the U.S. by taking this information that's already curated from other spies around him. I mean, how does this play out now? What's next?
4: You know, Brad, that's the real question. We understand the judges heard from both sides already, but it got really technical. There was a, a lot of issues around extradition laws that date back decades The judges are going to have to parse through now. So while they could come back at any moment, we, we think it'll take days, if not weeks, to get a decision in this case.
0: All right, Maggie Ruley spending a couple days now outside court there uh, watching these proceedings play out. Thank you so much, Maggie. Thanks, Brad. All right, one more quick break. When we come back, time to shift gears. Just make sure you're wearing a helmet. One last thing is next.
3: Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer.
0: One last thing. Hand signal up. If you know me, you know I'm an avid bicyclist. Okay, Mr. Motorcycle, just calm down. I haven't owned a car since moving to New York 20 years ago. I basically bike everywhere. And over the last decade, I've seen urban cycling explode. I ride in bike lanes all the time. And I wish there were more bike lanes. I like the convenience.
1: I get to go
0: and like ride real quick. Much of that is because of the popularity of electric bikes. They're small, they're fast. They'll do most of the work of going uphill for you. But yesterday, a new study showed that as e-bikes have surged, so have injuries. This study, published in the journal JAMA Surgery, shows that in 2017, you had 750 e-bike injuries reported to medical staff, 750. Last year, there were more than 20,000. The numbers are increasing exponentially every year. Why is that? Well, an obvious reason is, duh, there are a lot more e-bikes on the road. There are more than 100,000 bicycle accidents every year. No one thinks they're inherently dangerous machines or anything. But there are some issues specific to e-bikes that experts are concerned about. One is that, according to the study, only 44% of these accident victims were wearing helmets. And think about it, a lot of e-bikes are borrowed from urban bike share programs Well, those bike shares don't include helmets. If you want to make an impulse trip, maybe home from work during rush hour or back from a restaurant late at night, that's when you'd think a helmet would be most useful. The other thing is that while you don't need a license to operate an e-bike, they can double the speed of your average cyclist. That doesn't just mean people are riding heavier, faster vehicles. It also means they're crammed into the same spaces as their slower cousins, which means even in cities with dedicated bike lanes, cyclists are swerving out into traffic more often to avoid each other. As cities become more bike-friendly, urban design planners say we're seeing the benefits. Just last year, the Brooklyn Bridge finally separated cyclists from pedestrians, giving bikes their own lane on the roadway where cars used to roam. But experts say more needs to be done, and quickly, nationwide, bike use of all types is growing. And if your e-bike can go upwards of 20 miles per hour, any sort of accident means it might be a while before you're back in the saddle. And for those of you wondering, I'm not like a bike racer. I've got a Schwinn 12-speed. It gets me around. I also have a helmet that lights up. Because when you're biking these streets, you got to bring your A-game, baby. More on all these stories at abcnews.com or the ABC News app. I'm Brad Milkey. See you tomorrow. Coming up on your right. Thank you.